1: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. This podcast is sponsored by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther. Louisville Slugger. Aaron, uh, you didn't have to go far this weekend. Stayed home. Saw a little uh, college baseball here in the Triangle area. And the preseason, Aaron, I think we thought that this was going to be a big year in the state of North Carolina, both from a draft perspective and from a good team perspective. Still think it's going to be a good year draft-wise because I still think uh, we had our draft rankings last weekend, or I should say on Friday. Uh, we dropped Carlos Rodon and Trey Turner a bit, but both those guys, uh, especially Rodon, was very good, I should say, on uh, on Friday in a loss. Trey Turner not as great this weekend. Um, but North Carolina and NC State, uh, I know we talk about them a decent amount, but Aaron, I just thought that NC State was one of the teams we talked about in our rankings today. We'll talk a lot about the Atlantic Coast Conference that, that league, Aaron, is quite jumbled, and it's had the number one team now for several weeks in a row, Florida State, and now the Seminoles lost a series to Georgia Tech, they give way to Virginia, and we have Miami streaking with 12 straight wins, the Hurricanes jump up to 15 in our rankings, then there's Clemson, down at 22, but the rest of that league, Aaron, is pretty doggone jumbled, and you did your first uh, you know, 64-team midseason update field last week, it's it's very difficult to see this league. Those are the only host possibilities, really, aren't they? Florida State, Virginia, and Miami. I, mean, I guess is it possible that someone else in the ACC could host? It really feels like this league is kind of underachieving this year.
0: You know, John, I think I think you're right. I think it's it's very top heavy, and um, you know, we, we thought coming into the season that there were three elite teams: Florida State, Virginia, and NC State. Two of those teams are elite, you know, Florida State and Virginia, Um, and we thought Clemson and Miami were in that very good category, that potential Omaha team category, and I think Miami is now proving that I think, you know, they are who we we thought they were. I mean, you know, they played a tough schedule, they had a little slump, they didn't get off to a great first half, but now they're hot. Um, you know, they've they're figured out their, their defense. I mean, putting Johnny Ruiz at third base has stabilized the defense a little bit, having, you know, Lopez back at shortstop and Hernandez at second. Now now they've got their defense configured properly. Um, their bullpen has become a strength with Brian Garcia, the freshman at the back, and Cooper Hammond, the setup guy, uh, low-slot guy. You know, it's a good little one-two punch. Two freshmen who performed for them. Um, and, of course, we knew their, their rotation was going to be a strength. With, uh, with those three left-handers, and, and it has been. So um, I, I still think – and then the other freshmen, John, are, are hitting for him. Collins and right. you, you know, Collins, you recall, got off to a brutal start to the season. Yep. Now he's hitting. And so I, I think, you know, and yes, the schedule has, has eased up a little bit for them in recent weeks. But, hey, during this 12-game win streak, um, you know, they still had to go on the road for two of those series, and they swept NC State on the road. And we know NC State is, you know, not a top-five team. But still, it's a road series sweep against a talented team. Um, and then Virginia Tech, they swept on the road, and then at home they swept the Pittsburgh team, which had swept you know Georgia Tech a few weeks ago. So um, it's not like they're gimmies here. I mean, I, th- I think it's tempting to say, well, yeah, you know, the ACC has a couple of teams at the top because it's easier in the ACC um, to rack up these gaudy conference records than it is in the SEC because the SEC is deeper, and that's true. Um, but that said. You know, Virginia's the real deal. We knew it from the beginning of the year. We never deviated from that opinion. They're the real deal. No. Uh, doubt. They're, they're better than any team in the country, period. I really.
1: agree. I agree. They have the least flaws, Aaron. They, I mean they really they they have this incredibly deep lineup that hasn't performed, but that's also gonna get Fisher back. Fisher yep. back. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. <laughs> Baseball America inside joke there, I I could not resist. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, th- this team pitches. Uh, they've got a bullpen from hell. They've got uh, power. They've got speed. You got a lot of ways to score runs. They just have They have not done it consistently. Right. They're still outscoring their opponents by 120 runs. It's a, it's a this this is the best team in the country. Yeah. Uh, whether they win the national championship or not, different story. Sure. Halfway through the season, I feel very comfor- comfortable and confident saying Virginia's the best team in the country, and they're the best team in the Atlantic Coast Conference, with Florida State a very close two, but a, you know kind of a, a, I wouldn't say disconcerting, a disappointing though, I think, series loss for Florida State this weekend, and one of those real quirky teams in the ACC is Georgia Tech, Aaron, and we, we've talked about them some on the podcast this year as well, but really feels that between Wake Forest, which had kind of a Golden opportunity against the weakened North Carolina team. But North Carolina uh, won the series but couldn't sweep. So Wake Forest kind of keeps, I think, very strong regional chances alive. Clemson, Maryland, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, NC State, Duke, uh, Pittsburgh, I guess, has to be in that conversation, sort of. Virginia Tech on the fringe of that. If any of those teams made regionals, it wouldn't stun me, Aaron. There's just no separation in there. We, did well, move, we moved Georgia Tech into the rankings this weekend, though, because I guess on paper, in terms of its resume, Georgia Tech has the best resume out of those teams.
0: Yeah, they, they have a series win against Miami. They have a road series win at North Carolina. Uh, they swept Duke, and, and they, have a road, uh, they have a home series win against Florida State. So those four weekends um, you know, make for a pretty solid resume. And they're 10-8 in the league now. They're 35 in the RPI. I mean, Georgia Tech is now looking like uh, they're on track to be a, 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 a safe regional team, but that said, you know they've got some road series looming on their schedule here, so it's still, um, they far from a gimme still. I mean, uh, you know, last week I had them just outside of 64, today I would have them certainly in, um, but you know, they're at Maryland, they're at NC State, they're at Virginia through, the, through their last four conference series, so there's still ample opportunity here for Georgia Tech to blow this, but right now, <laughs> um, it looks pretty good. North Carolina, I feel like, is in trouble because they're 84th in the RPI. Unreal. They're 500 in the league, and they're just they're just okay, as we've talked about. I mean, I do think it was encouraging. I was at that game Sunday in Chapel Hill, and I was encouraged that Sky Bolt performed. John, I think maybe maybe this is a, a, a breakout game because he looked really good. He had four hits. He had two doubles off from the left side, and, and if you recall yep. last year, John wasn't it that he stopped he stopped hitting from the left side altogether, and even against righties, oh yeah. Wasn't it- he, he was right on right I mean so to me it was very encouraging that he he stung the ball from the left side.
1: It was in the Except, regional it was in the regional Aaron, that he believe it was in the regional when a right a, a reliever came in from the right side and skybolt stood in the right-handed batters box, took a pitch and Mike Fox, the head coach who coaches third base called timeout and came down and said, hey what are you doing?" <laughs> I mean like that I, I don't think he did those things like batted right on right as a plan. I think he did it from a complete lack of confidence in his ability to hit left-handed. So I, I agree with you. It's, it does feel like North Carolina offensively is starting to turn the corner with Bolt, Lasseter, both starting to hit a little bit. And they've got some other pieces. It's the pitching, really. Outside of Thornton, Moss has just been okay, and then Hovis in the bullpen. Outside of those three guys... This once very vaunted deep North Carolina pitching staff right now is just trying to figure it out. I guess Trevor Kelly started to pitch well for them, but um, you know they've leaned very heavily on Zach Rice and Spencer Trainer, a couple freshmen in their bullpen, and those guys are good, but they're not great. It's just not a great, it's not a deep North Carolina pitching staff.
0: Yeah, and and Kelly was good yesterday.
1: Um, He's been good for a while now, it appears.
0: Yeah, but you know Wake Forest still came back and made. you know and won that game yesterday you know which kudos to Wake Forest because you know you're on the road you lost the first two games it's a big series they didn't get swept um and that's kind of like Florida State I mean you know we, we say Florida State not a great series loss at Georgia Tech but it is on the road and they were down 4 nothing, and they showed enough character to come back and win the game so you know that matter is not getting swept and, and Wake Forest to me I'm the jury's still out for me I mean I uh, I, I'm not in love with their 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 pitching, but you know they've got some decent college arms. And um, sounds
1: like their middle of their lineup is fairly formidable, though. There, there's, yeah. there's, some, there's some thump there. And as you study their team and, and talk to other coaches about them, the, the sense that I've gotten is that the strength of that team is that they're somewhat offensive. They can hit some yeah. home runs. They can catch up even to good pitching, as they showed Jake Stannett and Maryland last weekend.
0: And Matt Conway and and. Um, Craig, right? Will, Will Craig. Craig at third base. Those guys are big, you know, big dudes, imposing guys. And Craig hit a home run yesterday on a, on a slider from, from Zach Gallon that he, he just crushed. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess he, he had actually been scuffling a little bit lately, so it was good to see him break out also. Um, but, you know, and then we talked, I think, last week about the, the, the veterans that they have on their team, um, you know, the, the seniors. That, that matters. And I, I think they're in the mix. They're, they're just outside the top 60 in the RPI. They're second place in, in the ACC Atlantic Division at eleven and seven, so they're in a decent spot here. Maryland is just seven and ten in the league, but they're twenty one in the RPI, so that still puts them in a pretty good position for regionals. And NC State, we have to talk about yep. uh, because they, you know, they blew that game on Sunday, um,
1: a game that is just, it's almost inexplicable that they would be six outs away from a crucial, technically a road series victory. In a series that really, oh, when you're six and twelve in the league, or five and I guess it were six and eleven at that time, in a, in a weekend where a series you have to win, and they blow a six-run lead with six outs to go to a Duke team that's not known for its offense, and Aaron NC State just—I I think nationally people say, "Well, Rodon's two and six; he's struggling. Maybe he's getting overused." There are all these other debates. From a practical, we could, we can have that debate if you want to, but from a practical standpoint, as far as their pitching, and them trying to get back to regionals and the Cowboys series, Carlos Rodon is the least of their problems.
0: No, you're right. And Rodon was probably the best he's been all year on Friday. Um, You know, I thought his velocity was up. He was sitting 94-96 the first three innings, and then he was 92-94 thereafter pretty comfortably, touched some fives. Slider was unhittable. Um, His cutter was very good. His changeup showed flashes, and he threw that more than he has been. Um, and and he, you know the the big thing was when when the ball was up early in the game it was hit you know ninety five elevated yep. some guy named Perkins that Rodon's never even heard of and you know I mean was very dismissive of and said it's the only time he'll ever hit me in his life well he hit you he hit hit a dead center field over the fence because the fastball was up <laughs> uh, so you know I mean it, yeah that's Carlos being Carlos that's you know, there's right. going to be bravado there there's going to be defiance but you know he lost he is two and six and. Uh, I'm sure it's got to be frustrating for him, but he's. You're right; he's not the problem. Um, you know, the problem is everybody else on the pitching staff. Really, I mean, you know, besides the Peterson twins. Now, I mean, I, I got a good look at um, you know Eric Peterson on on Saturday. Um, he came out of the bullpen. After they, they started a freshman named Williams and Ryan Williamson, who, who only pitched nine innings all season. He got the start Saturday, yeah. and then um he got him into what the third inning i think and then they went to the, the you know one of the peterson brothers and you know he did a good job And i feel like he's probably i think what they're going to have to do is go we're done and then two petersons in their rotation because i guess patrick peterson pitched well on sunday um but they you know they they need to piece it together with all the other guys in the bullpen andrew wick didn't throw this weekend you have to wonder what's going on there is he fatigued because they've been leaning on him a little bit uh, i think brad stone maybe um, you know, has not, certainly not 100%. I don't know if there's a dead arm thing there or what. Um, and then, you know, Jernigan has struggled with his control as, as per the course of his career. I mean, just when you think he's figured it out, he goes backwards. So um, their pitching to me is, is a real concern. And, and I just – you watch them, John, and, and, you know, I like to say that I still believe in, in their talent because I believe in Redon and Turner. But I don't know if I believe in the rest of their talent. I mean, Austin's had a good year. You know, give him credit. But they had Logan Ratledge hitting in the cleanup spot on Saturday. I mean, he's hitting like 220. I mean, you know, they're they're not a very good offensive team. They don't execute. They don't scare you.
1: And um, basically, Andrew Kisner, Brett Austin, outside of those guys, they just haven't been very good this year. Trey Turner just he just has not been dynamic. It's really it's kind of stunning to watch him play this year. Because uh, I, you know, I, you know what, how I feel about Trey Turner. I'm a huge fan, and he just doesn't seem like he's nearly as dynamic no. or impactful as he's been in the past. And you know, yeah. it's just not a, it's just not. A, a, to me, this is just not. This team is not who we thought they were. I'm not sure they're as talented as we thought they were. Uh, I think, yeah, I've talked to a couple of area scouts around here who don't even have their other juniors turned in besides Turner and Rodon. So we thought you know, he's a team with two first-round picks, and then maybe some other single-digit picks in Fincher, maybe in Ratledge, uh, maybe Austin, maybe uh, – Jernigan. Uh, Jernigan is another one. Uh, you one, know, the cheese ball of mine. And I don't think uh, – I talked to two area scouts who just – one guy said, I don't have any of those other guys turned in besides Turner and Rodon, and another area scout I asked two weeks later said, yeah, I'm with that guy. I don't have them turned in either. So – that's, you know, what do you do with those? Again, I, I think, you know, I just don't think they are as good as we thought they were. I mean, I thought Jake Fincher had, uh, I, I've always been a fan of his, thought he was a really good college player. He had a good summer last year on the Cape. He still has no home runs the last two years. He just doesn't drive the ball consistently. It's the same swing, and he's not as dynamic on the base paths either. So it's yeah. just not a, you know, that's a team with a lot of speed, I think of as one of the faster college baseball teams I've seen opponents have stolen more bases than they have. So I just think there's a lot of trouble here. And that loss yesterday was a pretty pretty brutal loss. I don't know if you had anything I, else you wanted to say about them, but I thought we could move on from the ACC. Yeah,
0: you know, I was just going to say I think we should move on too. But to me, the difference between them and, like, Indiana, there was a preseason top five team that got off to a slow start. And we always, I think, kept believing in Indiana because it's more than just two guys. You know, right. Indiana has more depth of real talent, you know, with with Donley and Demuth and – you know, some of these other pieces in there, it's not just Swarmer and Travis and, and, you know, Joey Donato and um, Efros and, you know, on the mound, they've got pieces they've pitched. Um, Indiana's gotten hot now, and it's a team that I think will make a move up the rankings pretty quickly here soon. Um, they had, you know, a 4-1 week here this week, and they're scoring runs, um, and I think they're going to be really imposing here down the stretch, uh, even though they've had some injuries. That's a team that has lost their closer, and they lost Kyle Hart, the number two starter, and they're still plugging along here and actually playing better than they had been. So uh, great,
1: it's, a, it's a great. I think that's a great example to bring up, Aaron, just to kind of pivot a little bit here on the podcast because that's a team it's, we've talked about with NC State before, and we're talking about with Indiana now. What is your team identity? You know, like in football, teams talk about well, when you're in trouble, what play do you run? Do you have a base of plays or your identity that you can execute when when you need to when you have to have a positive play? feels like, you know, again, this Indiana team knows its identity. They've got these a couple of starters they lean on heavily. They've got this powerful middle of the order, and that's who they are. And uh, another team I think that knows kind of who it is is Cal Poly, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Those teams have been exactly what we thought they would be coming into the year. And, you know, I, I, it is still stunning, Aaron, to look at the top of our rankings and see Cal Poly 3 and Lafayette 2. Um are you stunned? I mean, I know you believed in both those teams coming in, but did you think they'd be this good?
0: Well, I mean, Pauly in particular has really exceeded my expectations because, right. of, the, because of the pitching. You know, I just didn't know what to make of their starting pitching. And, you know, Casey Bloomquist has been the real key guy. I mean, they still have – Slater Lee kind of dropped off, and they, they put him back in the rotation this weekend, and, and it wasn't great. Uh, but but Bloomquist has been the key guy for them. I think he's 8-0. Um, you know, so that's a team that I liked a lot. And we had them outside the top twenty-five in the preseason. Just outside, they right. You know, were right there. But to see them number three, that to me is is the surprise. I mean, Lafayette. Um, if you would have told me before the season, hey, Louisiana Lafayette will be number two in the country uh, after nine weeks, I'd have been like, okay, you know, I, I could absolutely see that. Right. Uh, the Fit
1: Matrix loved the Cajuns.
0: It did. It did. Um, and you know, and, and I thought it was very encouraging for the Cajuns that, to get Greg Milhorn back now, and he threw in his second appearance back this weekend, through four strong innings. Um, I, I think he is a key guy. You know, it gives him that extra arm. But you know, Cody Booty is is stepped up for him there in the rotation w- w- when they lost Milhorn, and Veranic has kept on going. So um, you know, there people people ask on Twitter a lot. Well, what if the Cajuns were in the SEC? You know, well they wouldn't they wouldn't be thirty and. Whatever they are, thirty-four and four. Uh, well, no kidding. I mean, they wouldn't be, but I still think they would be a top ten team. I think that they might still be, you know, near the top of, of, of you know, the rankings because uh, not just because of the small sample size, but when they played SEC teams, you know, they, they took two out of three against Alabama, the first place team in the league, and they, they won a midweek a shortened midweek game at LSU. But I just think their you know their talent is as good as any team in that league, and maybe better. You know, right. honestly, I think it may be a more talented team than any team in the SEC. And yeah, position they would lose some series.
1: <laughs> position player wise and hitter wise, at the junior and senior level, I think you're absolutely right. I think that they they have better position players, or as good or better position players than than any SEC team. Do I think they have as much pitching depth as some of the SEC teams? I don't. That's a difference. And I've again, I talked to a guy last week, like I was telling you on the uh, hangout. Um, his real question with Lafayette is can they handle velocity? And there's not a lot. I don't know all the pitchers they face, but I just go back to the um, uh, Alabama series and when they space, face Spencer Turnbull. and They only had two hits in that game. Alabama yeah. made three errors. Turnbull had a couple walks, and they won that game 2 0. And Turnbull's got big time velo, so they did struggle in that game. Um, you know, the questions that this scout had is that, you know, their hitting coach, Matt Deggs, very uh, well known for being a. Very aggressive hitting coach. You know, those guys take big cuts, Aaron. They take big hacks. And sometimes there's no contact. You look up and down the numbers for Louisiana Lafayette and you get some big strikeout to walk ratios. But their power, if they catch up to one, their power is going to be a separator for them. And, uh, you know, so how many teams really have the depth of velocity to – and how many teams can hit velocity in college baseball? So, you know doesn't make them that different from other teams, and it makes them more dangerous in some ways than a lot of other teams they they see. So I'm with you. I think Lafayette has kind of proved it's legit. It certainly helps their cause as as we go on, as the season progresses. Alabama, we're halfway through, and Alabama is a team they play. They won the series. They shut Alabama out twice. Alabama right now, Aaron, has the best record in the Southeastern Conference. We finally have a little separation in the SEC. Alabama leads the West. Florida leads the East. If if I told you preseason that those two teams would be leading the Southeastern Conference race halfway through, would that have surprised you? I, I have a feeling it would not have surprised you very much. I don't
0: think anything in the SEC would have surprised me too much, you know, except for you know Missouri and in you know Auburn or Tennessee. Well, those got Missouri and Auburn were leading their divisions, right? Uh, that would have surprised me. But any of those top ten teams leading it, no. I mean, uh, it's it's the SEC. It's it's just it's muddled that's that's what it is it's just muddled it's just uh <laughs> it's crazy how much these teams beat each other up and um you know I, I think alabama heading into the season we thought was a real we thought was a real sleeper a lot yep. of people did. um if by sleeper i mean they was a top 25 team that we thought had a chance to go to omaha and you know florida was so talented but young and it just was a matter of how fast they grew up but you know florida you have to be impressed with what they've done um in the midweek Taking those three games against Florida State, um, and then the two weekend series sweeping LSU, taking two out of three at South Carolina, those are two really good weeks. Um, and you know their body of work is, is impressive. And, and they have some hiccups. You know they have some series losses. They had the, the one and three weekend at home back in the non conference, but since then they've really they've really done a a great job against a tough schedule. And uh, you know I, I thought it was it was fascinating the way that they won that extra inning game against South Carolina. Alternating their pitching, it um, you know, was with, awesome. With AJ Puck going from first base to the mound to first base to the mound, and, and Schaefer going from right field to the mound. I mean, it's uh, it's very unusual, <laughs> but it worked for him.
1: I mean, Aaron, really, which is which is harder for a pitcher to do, which is tougher on their health? Throwing 134 pitches when you're kind of used to throwing 100, 100 plus, or playing first base and you pitch, and you pitch first base and you pitch. We don't know. No. We don't know. We have a lot more data on the former. What the, the the latter is extremely unusual. Yeah. But we just don't know. So I mean, just these definitive statements about pitching and pitch counts for a small divergence bug me because we don't know. There's studies, but we really don't know. And there's so many factors that lead to pitching injuries, we really don't know. I apologize for that call. Aaron, a uh, little interruption there, but we'll come back just right back talking about the Gators. And uh, just uh, it is pretty fascinating. Have you can you remember another team doing that with position players and uh pitchers switching them back and forth? And I, I can't remember that. And I also can't remember a team with this uh in the SEC this young um having the kind of success that Florida's having with such youth. I mean, maybe since Florida 2010.
0: Yeah, that 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 would be the last the last one that really comes to mind. Um, and as far as your other question, I mean, what Dave Winfield? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, they, they, you're right. You, you just don't see that very often. And, and I agree. You know, I don't know if that's good for a guy's arm or not. I mean, but I, I do, I do trust Kevin O'Sullivan's track record. He's got a great track record of protecting arms, and um, you know, but that's, but that, that's another great example, John. I mean, people gnash their teeth about pitch counts. Well, you know, look at Carson Whitson's pitch count when he was a freshman. Great they were, they point. Couldn't, they couldn't have been more careful with the guy. You know, I don't know if he ever pitched seven innings his freshman year. I mean, it was really uh, – he never went over 100 pitches. And he still got hurt. You know, you just – like you said, you just don't know. Uh, what yeah. about what Texas did yesterday with Nathan Thornhill through a complete game? They had a two-hour rain delay in the middle of the game in the fifth inning, and he came back out. To me, that that's more troublesome, but I don't know. I mean, who knows what causes this stuff?
1: We just don't know. I mean, we have some ideas. But the ideas that we thought we had, that we thought were working, don't you think the major league baseball industry is trying to do those things? And there's, those guys get hurt all the time. So we yep. just we just don't know. I'm not saying that absolves coaches of criticism. I'm saying it, there's just no absolutes. So criticism based on absolutes, I think, is just empty and yes. it's not worthless, but it's not constructive. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not here to shill for coaches. Do I think it was a good thing that Elliot Avent sent Carlos Rodon back out when he threw 918 pitches? No. Do I understand it? Yes. You and Clint were there, and he dealt. So,
0: yeah, At that point in the game, I mean, the first four innings were, were kind of high-stress innings. He had base runners. He had things going on. And the last five innings uh, or four innings were really – he was cruising. I mean, it was really economical. and uh, I think he retired you know, 12 out of the last 14 guys he faced, and, you know – it was it was it was low stress, and he's a physical guy, and you know, yes, it was one day. That's the other thing is people say, "Oh, it was on short rest." Well, you know, it was five days rest for God's sake. It's not the same as short rest in pro ball, and I just think it's a distortion to try to frame it that way. Um, it's still more rest than any any pro pitcher gets.
1: Yeah, it's just not the same. He's throwing to Duke's hitters. <laughs> you know, he's not throwing to the big leagues. It's just it's just different. It's just apples and oranges. Um. I am impressed by the Gators, Aaron. Uh, I have two quick Twitter questions, and we'll go back in the SEC. One of them uh, involves NC State. We've talked about them a lot, but can a team's performance or lack thereof appreciably damage a pitching prospect's da- draft spot stock? That's from James Curl, who runs the Riddick and uh, Reynolds and Riddick podcast at NC State. Uh, NC State fan. Obviously, speaking of Carlos Rodon, there. I mean, to me, it does feel like NC State's poor defense affected Carlos's pitching performance this year, in that. He didn't pitch with as much conviction. He, uh, he didn't throw the slider with as much conviction because Brett Austin's receiving skills. Still, scouts criticized those pretty heavily. Um, and then his uh, Carlos's body language when his defense behind him f- would fail him was not a positive. So those things a- affected his stock somewhat. But I still think if Carlos had thrown all year the way he did Friday, he would still be number one on the board instead of where we moved him to number three. It's not like he took a tumble in the rankings.
0: Right, and, and you know, uh, to me, look at Mark Capel last year, you know, I mean, yep. he's on a team that didn't make regionals, they were you know, not a very good team, and he still went number one overall, and, um, you know, and, and Redon, you know, just because NC State's struggling, that's not going to color the way the scouts see him. I mean, I think you're right, those, those other factors could, could affect him, um, but, you know, if, if he can handle it, then it won't really affect his draft stock,
1: The other question is, is the Sunbelt a one-team regional conference? That's from at Wave the Red Towel, a Western Kentucky uh, fan-cited website. And I think the answer to that at this time is yes, correct?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, assuming the Cajuns win the the automatic bid. I mean, you do have uh, two teams that are kind of on the periphery of the at-large discussion from an RPI standpoint. That's Arkansas State at 54, Western Kentucky at 58. So those are two teams that are in the mix. Um, but, you know, I look at the bodies of work there, and, and, you know, Arkansas State's 20 and 15 overall. Western Kentucky's 19 and 17. There's not a lot of real exciting wins on the resume there. Um, I don't think either of those teams is an at large team. So uh, I think it's a one bid league unless the Cajuns uh, get upset in the conference tournament.
1: Right. Um, back to the SEC, Aaron. I guess a couple surprises this weekend. Well, obviously, Florida winning that series at South Carolina is a surprise. Um, just because South Carolina has been so good at home, their first series loss at home, Vanderbilt, a series loss at home to Texas A&M. And I'm just kind of blown away, Aaron, by Georgia. Uh, Georgia, after that poor start, um, to, uh, you wrote about it in the roundup, it was either Friday or Saturday, but at one point Georgia was two and six, now 21 and 14. So they've won 19 uh, 19 and eight since then they're, they're 500 in the league. I'm not sure that is a regional team, but they've won three straight series now. Uh, home against AM and m at Mizzou, home to Tennessee. It gets tougher. They're a long road streak ahead for the Bulldogs. A pretty nice coaching debut there by Scott Strickland to show the Bulldogs and their fans that this is a guy who's going to make them competitive. And we, we obviously believe pretty strongly in Scott Strickland, guy who took Kent State to Omaha. I'm pretty impressed with what the Bulldogs have done.
0: Yeah, me too. And, you know, if, if the Field 64 came out today, I think they're probably in. Wow. Uh, wow. I mean, hey, they're 7-7 they're seven and seven in the league, like you said. That's um, third place in the SEC East. They're number 42 in the RPI. Um, I mean, they won three straight series. It's, it is incredible. You're right that, that they're in this position. I mean, uh, you, right now I think you have to take them seriously as an at-large contender. And, and I didn't think we would be there. At this point in the season, um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying that they're going to be able to sustain this the next two weekends. They're at Florida at Vandy home in South Carolina at Ole Miss home against Kentucky. That's where they got left. <laughs> so, so do I think they're going to be a regional team? No, um, not against that schedule, but if it were today, they'd be in for me. I, I think so. I mean, it's close, but I think they're, they're probably in. So kudos to Scott Strickland. Absolutely. Um, you know, they, they've, you got some pretty good young players there to build around, and those guys have performed. You know, Robert Tyler picked up another win this weekend. The, the, the very talented freshman that we like a lot. Yep. Um, and those guys are, are, you know, they're playing hard. I mean, good, good for them.
1: And another impact freshman, Stephen Wren, speedy outfielder, has got 13 steals. Was a highly regarded player out of high school last year in Georgia, and so they their freshmen have performed, and uh, that's a big way. And that's a big part of turning things around there for for Coach Strickland. Any concerns for you, Aaron, out of those two series losses that I mentioned from uh, Vanderbilt and South Carolina? It feels like Vanderbilt. We talked about this last weekend, either on the podcast or on the uh, on the hangout. Just not uh, offensively. Just Vanderbilt. Just not that special.
0: No, they're not. They're they're not special. And um, you know, they're special on the mound. And and on the mound, they've been struggling even now. I mean, Tyler Beattie has uh, for the last month here, really um, since since that that game against Nola. Uh, he hasn't been great. He was very bad at Starkville, um, you know, and in Tennessee even he wasn't at his best. I mean, it, it was—I thought he was—he was, he was a pretty good. He was okay that day. I mean, he went eight innings. It was a career high, um, but it wasn't dominating. Especially not at the start of the of the game. And then, and then he lost this weekend against A&M. So that's a problem. I mean, they need BD to be BD. Um and you know, the rest of their their pitching. I mean. Ferguson now I think has struggled two weeks in a row on Sundays. Um, so that's the strength of their team, and even that has been struggling. But um, their defense hasn't been as crisp. Their offense has been consistent. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> – where's, where's,
1: where's the power come from for this team? It feels like they thought – you know, Xander Wheel provided a lot of power last year. It doesn't feel like this team, outside of, you know, the top guys, Swanson, Turner, Reynolds, those guys have hit all year. They're good players, yeah. Congey's. Good player, midseason All America shortstop. But the feels like the rest of that lineup, no one has broken through yet. Is is Wheel the most likely guy, or maybe Wiseman, uh, former Connor Glassy cheese ball? Mm. Are those the guys most likely to break through, or is there a guy kind of further down the roster who could be this year's Xander Wheel, Aaron, and kind of this year's surprise contributor that can perk up this offense?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you know, they they need they need somebody. They need somebody to 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 kind of give them a boost here. And, and you know, I just think this was a big series for them. they were at home against an A and M team that had struggled. Big series for A and M. I mean, hey, give the Aggies credit. They haven't rolled over. That's that's this league is so crazy. You know, it I mean, It really the, is. You got a home series against a team you think you should be able to handle. And Kentucky was in the same boat. They're home against Missouri. Exactly. And both those teams lose two out of three. Um, there's no gimmies, there's no gimmies. And, and, and maybe it's because, like we thought heading into the year, there are also no elite teams in the, in the SEC this year. I mean, last year's Vanderbilt team would have taken care of business because yes. last year's Vanderbilt team was elite. And this year there is no team like that. There is no, there is no elite team in the SEC. Even South Carolina, the team that I, I still think is the best team overall in the league. They've lost a couple of series now. I mean, they've lost three series in the, in the SEC, have they not?
1: Yeah, they have.
0: So, you know, it's, it's not be- – yes, the SEC is, is, is competitive, but there's also no juggernaut. There's no Virginia in the SEC this year.
1: I would agree with that. And then you look at Mississippi State and Mississippi. Obviously, the big news was the Saturday game. It this crazy comeback for Mississippi State. Um, well, Ole Miss scores what three in the tenth in the top half. Mississippi State rounds with four in the bottom half. Largest on-campus crowd in NCAA history, more than fifteen thousand people. <laughs> I mean, just a crazy, like the best of college baseball kind of game. And yet the Bulldogs who went to Omaha last year, um, twenty-two and fifteen. You know that they have a, basically a, a their signature series win was beating Vanderbilt, which you know them Van and Vanderbilt are both seven and eight in the league. Uh, just not, you know, they've lost five of the last six league games. I, I don't know, Aaron. It's just, I guess, just not a, uh, it's hard to put a beat on either of these teams. This is like the biggest road series win for Ole Miss, uh, this yeah. year. Is it not?
0: Yeah, I think it is. And, uh, you know, Ole Miss to me is, has been, All always seems to be up and down, <laughs> of course. But yeah. I mean, that's why Alabama is so impressive at 10-5 of the league. They've only lost one series in conference Conference play. Um, so that, that consistency, that's why we've got them as the top-rated team in the SEC right now because um, everyone else has had a lot more ups and downs, I feel like, than Alabama has. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of, of Mississippi State right now. I mean, they're um, – I don't know. I think they're one of those teams that is probably not as good as they were heading into the year. I mean, they're, they're clearly not a top-10 caliber team, I think, at this point as we've learned that. We, part of that ranking was based on the assumption that Brandon Woodruff would take a step forward.
1: He's taken
0: yeah. a step backward. He's a step backward. You know, I threw him out there again this weekend and again he just got whacked around. And um, you know, Ross Mitchell took the loss for I still think that having him in, in the rotation makes sense. It gives him a chance. Um, but you know, he's not gonna dominate you with his stuff. And then, you know, they're they're just they're still looking for answers in the lineup. I mean, not having not having, you know, Renfro and Frazier. Their two best players from last year—that does not matter. And um, I don't know. I, I, I think I think they have enough talent to make a run um, in the postseason. They they still have some arms in the bullpen. You know, Lindgren and Holder, those guys. But um, they're they I just don't think. They're just they're not as good as they were last year. You know, period. They're just not. They lost a lot. <laughs> That's it.
1: Pretty simple. They lost a lot of really good players and. You know, some of those guys are more irreplaceable than others. I just I just think it's very rare to have a power-speed combination like uh, Hunter Renfro. And I know he picked it up a little bit this weekend, but, boy, Wes Ray has certainly suffered without Renfro around him. And I know they're pitching a defense team here, but you just look you just look at that team at 41 doubles. I mean, they just don't have – you know about power. They don't have any power. They don't have any extra base power for them to score – they have to string together a lot of hits and walks, and you need to mess up. I mean, they're just really—it's just all defense and some pitching for them this year. It's not even really pitching and defense; it's defense and pitching for Mississippi State. They just very little offense, and it's just a again, most of these SEC teams, like you said, they're just—they're no juggernauts. These are these are pretty; these are good teams. Very hard to find a great team and also still looks like Aaron this is a 10 11 maybe even 12 team bid league probably more likely 10, 10 teams as you had last week but
0: I, not- I can't see i still can't see him getting more than 10 i you know i just i think the committee would balk at that and you know no no nobody's ever gotten more than 9 before um, that doesn't mean you know, i i think this is probably a worthy 10 bid league and i think that will happen this year but um, i don't think we'll get more than 10
1: okay Aaron, uh, Pac-12, I like to hit some of these bigger leagues, and we'll try to wrap up soon on the Baseball America College podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. But Dub has to be talked about here. Um, the Huskies just keep on winning, Aaron. They keep on passing tests. We keep on, like, checking on this team every week and seeing how they're going to stumble. It would seem like Stanford was playing fairly well, but, you know, the Huskies uh, have taken advantage of the new Husky ballpark and their three-league series. They've won – you know, they're 7-2 and two at home, uh, with the Arizona, Oregon, and Stanford series, and they just kind of keep on trucking in league play.
0: Yeah, they've, they've won all five of their conference series now. And, you know, the next couple of weeks they're at Cal. It's a, frankly, winnable road series against a sub-500 team. They're home against Washington State. Um, and I'll be there for that Sunday game against Washington State and Seattle. Um, but, you know, Washington State's 500. And they're at Utah. They're 11-21. and 21. That's a winnable road series. Sure. Uh, and then you know they finished at Oregon State and home against UCLA. And UCLA, t- John, is in a, in, a, in a little bit of a pickle right now. You know they're they're 19 and 15 overall. They're number 80 in the RPI. They've lost three straight conference series. The defending champs might not make a regional. Um, You're talking and-
1: about three te- off the top of my head. Four teams that were in Omaha last year: UCLA, NC State, North Carolina, Mississippi State. All really struggling this year. It feels like Mississippi State's the only one of those teams that's. I don't know if I would say that they're a lock to go to regionals. They're not. None of those teams are a lock, even to go to regionals. Not to mention Omaha. I think you're right,
0: and and it's amazing. Uh, yeah, you're, you're. It is amazing. It's a good point. And, and UCLA, you know, I watched a little bit of that series um, on the Pac-12 network, and you know, I, I think that uh, boy, you know, they just it's it's kind of like we thought. It, they're just not scoring. They're not scoring a lot of runs. And Arizona, give Arizona credit, you know, because Arizona is not going to a regional. Um, you know, they're they're 161 in the RPI.
1: Are you serious?
0: 161. But but they've they've played better here lately, and um, Andy Lopez has gotten those guys going. You know they uh, um, they got a midweek win in Arizona State. You know, good series win against UCLA. They won two out of three at Utah last weekend. So they had been really down in the dumps. They lost a bunch of row there, and and they're you know they're coming around a little bit. I mean. So it's not a a gimme series anymore, certainly. But still, that's a series UCLA needed to win, and they didn't.
1: I still feel like Oregon State is the best team in that league, Aaron. We have them ranked as the top team, but I still feel like they're the best team in that league. But only two Pac-12 teams in our rankings, and there's really not – I mean, I guess three. I keep forgetting Oregon. But, I mean, like there's really not – like Arizona State's sort of on the bubble of being in the top 25. But really, this feels like a four-bid league.
0: Boy, it might be. I mean, those four teams right now, uh, if, 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 if the selection is today, those are the four teams that get in, and that's it. You're right. You're right. And, you know, UCLA hit 80. I mean, again, you got a lot of RPI work to do there. Um, the other teams, I mean, Washington State is a 500 team. That's 112 in the RPI. Arizona, we talked about. USC is not on track to make a regional, and I, I like them hitting the season. I had them as a regional team heading into the year um, they're six and nine in the league. They're ninety four in the RPI. You know, Stanford has a good RPI. Because they played a strong non conference schedule. They're twenty six in the RPI. They're four and eight in the league. I mean, yeah, they're, they're
1: twelve and sixteen overall. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you just don't see it. It's not, it's not going to be easy for the Cardinal to get to that five hundred record that you have to have.
0: I don't see it happening. So yeah, I think you know UCLA. I'll, I'll hold out. You know, give them a chance to to be able to come back from this. But if you look at their their schedule. Um, you know, next three weeks: Utah, USC, Stanford. Two of those series are at home. Um, they they should—they could be able to win all three of those series. And then you've got Oregon State, Oregon at Washington. Last three weeks at Oregon State, home is Oregon at Washington. So, I swear
1: to Bruins. That's, that's a tough
0: closing stretch. I think UCLA is in trouble. I think it is a four-bid league, and it's not because uh, the rest of America is biased against the West, <laughs> it's not because the RPI is unfair. The teams there are mediocre. That's, That's it. it. That's it. You got you got three pretty good teams and a lot of mediocrity.
1: You need one of your middle tier teams. Just comparing it to say the it's, it's counterpoint on the east coast, the a- ACC. You need one of your mediocre teams in the middle, like an Air a Wake Forest, of Maryland, to make a step forward, or Georgia Tech, which you know is not normally thought of as a mediocre team, but like Wazoo. like it's happened for UW, but like Washington State, Arizona State. He's he like a moderate talent. You're looking yeah. for those teams to step forward. Only Arizona State's doing it right now. And I, I'm, I'll tell you, Aaron, Arizona State has. I, I got to give Tim Esme a lot of credit because there's, there's some vultures around him out there. Uh, you know, they're closing Packard Stadium, so a lot of alumni involved at ASU this year, and a lot of alumni are concerned about that program. And as alumni t- tend to get, the grass always looks greener, and. Uh, I got to give Tim Esme a ton of credit. I think I've talked about on the podcast. You know, this is a guy, his coaching track record before he got to Arizona State wasn't great. He didn't have a great record at, at Utah. I don't like how he got the job at Arizona State. And then their talent has ebbed every year. But this team that was really struggling, I mean, they were struggling significantly, losing that home series to Washington, losing the home series to Tennessee, to go win series at Oregon State. At UCLA, they've won their last four series now. I think Tim Esme's done a really nice job. He's under a lot of scrutiny out there. I think he knows that if he doesn't have a, a regional trip this year, he could be in some trouble, if not this year, then next year, because they're moving to a new ballpark, you know, all these kind of things. So I think a lot of kudos go to Tim Esme for taking this really a very very strong pitching staff, and you know, people like Kellogg. Lilik's going to be a big draft next year. Ryan Byrne, the bullpen. So they've got some arms. But it's not an overly physical team. It's not an overly offensive team. It's certainly not a team that has the Arizona State typical draft prospect. When you look at our post we did last week that Arizona State has the most big leaguers, you know, most alumni in the major leagues, um, and yeah, I, I think Tim Esme deserves a lot of kudos for getting this team up off the mat and getting them to be very competitive again in the Pac-12, but that said, it's not going to be easy for them, there because you just look at their schedule the next couple of weeks. Their next three weekends are all on the road at Stanford, at Arizona, out of conference at OK State, and their are home series at Oregon. I mean, against Oregon. So their next month is going to be really – it's going to be a tough stretch for the Sun Devils.
0: Yeah, and and we'll find out, you know, whether the Pac-12 um, can, can even get four teams into regionals, frankly, because even that's not a lock at this point. I just think that, you know – these teams, John, I know there are a lot of good teams in the West, um, but you know these are—we're talking about a bunch of 500 or below 500 teams in the Pac-12. And if you're the if you're the the you know the standard-bearer conference in that part of the country, you got to take care of business against the the lesser conference teams, and you got to win those midweek games. And and if you're you know if you're going to play SEC teams um, like you know or ACC or Big 12 teams from the other part of the country. Um, it, win some of those games. I mean, Stanford has played a great schedule, and they struggled against those really good teams. You know, yep. Cal struggled against those good teams. A lot of these these guys, you know, this year uh, when they've played other conferences, they haven't done well. So it's you know it's just the reality that the Pac-12 isn't that strong.
1: Yep, that's all. That's all there is to it. Uh, last thing, Aaron. One of the bigger series of the weekend was Louisville Houston in the new American Athletic Conference. Puffing its chest out over UConn winning the basketball sweep (laughs) um, as a league, as it should. And Houston with a very gaudy RPI. And yet Louisville, Aaron, goes into Houston and serves notice that this is Louisville's league, at least while Louisville's still in the league (laughs) until it comes to the ACC. Sweeping the Cougars in Houston and only giving up seven runs in the process. How about the Louisville Cardinals? uh, How'd they do it?
0: Well, you know, they, they got some timely hits, certainly. I mean, they, they've, had, they've had a knack for that. You know, Jeff Gardner um, is one of those guys that seems like you're always in the middle of the action for, for them whenever they need a rally. Um, and, uh, and they pitch well. I mean, and, and they, that's supposed to be the strength of their team is, is they pitch.
1: Funkhauser.
0: Um, Funkhauser. Um, you know, Ruxer has been good for them. Um, you know, we had a real bounce back year in the weekend rotation. I like that they have Anthony Kiston back in the rotation now. I think he's a, he's a guy that really knows how to pitch and has very good secondary stuff. I think he's a good fit as a Sunday starter. And Nick Birdie has been dominant in the bullpen. He hasn't uh, he given up a, all year. Give a run un, uh, earned or unearned all year long. Um, he's not. He's only given up seven hits in, like, what, 17 innings. I mean, he's been a beast. And, and he went
1: back-to-back uh, back this weekend, Aaron, which is one of the things I, I haven't talked to a scout who was there this weekend but he went back-to-back back Friday and Saturday in those two close wins in this series. Talked to an area scout who saw him last week when he went three innings. He went two on Friday, three on Sunday. On Sunday, over three innings, with a day's rest after pitching two, birdie was 96 to 100 miles an hour, hit several 100s, according to this uh, area scout, who didn't say that he uh, touched 100. He said his range was 96 to 100. He hit that many 100s. The slider was sick. Um, you know, It wasn't touched, basically. And, and held that stuff over three innings. So Nick Birdie, a real draft wild card because of the closer profile, but in a year of velocity, this guy probably has the best arm in the country, Aaron, yeah. and he's an X-factor for Louisville if he can continue to be this successful pitching on back-to-back days. What a difference maker for Dan McDonald, Roger Williams, Chris Limonis, and that coaching staff.
0: And, John, I bet you he go. He jumps up the draft. and We had this debate a little bit we last did. week. When we were putting together our, our top fifty, I think he goes. Uh, I think he goes in the top fifteen picks, and I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in the top ten picks. I think somebody's going to bite on that guy and say we can get this guy to the big leagues fast. And he, he's, he's, you know, he's. Um, <laughs> come on, I mean, he's, he's a slam dunk back of the bullpen shut down guy. Um, for me, you know, and and, and I and I, I just think that that's valuable. I know he's I know starters are valuable. That there are a lot more innings. Uh, they're hard. They're hard to find. But this guy's this guy's really good, and and I think he's gonna get drafted really well.
1: I mean, to me, just look at the draft lineup. I mean, like he's not the kind of guy the Blue Jays would typically think that they would take. The Blue Jays pick nine and eleven. You got two picks right there. <laughs> That's a guy you might take as your safer pick, kind of like the the Nationals did the last time a college closer got drafted that high. It was the Nationals picking at one and ten. They took Strasburg, they took Storn, or was it or was it Harper and Storn? I forget which year, but. Store and went 10th yeah, and uh, you know he shot to the big leagues pretty quickly. I'm with you. The more I think about it, and the more the birdie does it, the higher I think he's going to get drafted. So, um, certainly not a calamitous weekend for Houston in terms of its regional hosting chances, but um, or, still, or is it? They're four and five in the league.
0: They're still six in the RPI, so right. So they're still in they're still in fine shape for hosting, I think. And Louisville needed this to. Boost their hosting chances. They're they're now up to 28 in the RPI. Um, you know, there's still work to be done there, but I, I think right now, um, you know, you'd have to say Louisville's ahead of Houston in the pecking order because they just swept them, even though you know the RPI says otherwise. So there's there's still things we need to learn. Um, both those teams could conceivably host, I suppose, but I have a feeling it's probably going to be just one out of the two.
1: And what do you think of the rest of that league, Aaron? Central Florida leads the league, certainly playing better after a little bit of a rough start. Is that the only other hope that uh, that league has for an at-large team?
0: Yeah, and they're you know they're another team that has RPI work to do. They're at seventy-eight right now, um, and uh, you know they've got Louisville at home and they've got at Houston. So those are, those are some opportunities for UCF. Um, you know, if they win those series to really make a statement, and, and maybe they can get in, into at-large range. But they have fattened up against um, you know some teams that are kind of the the dregs, I guess. I mean t- Temple. Right. You know, it's ten and eighteen outside the top two hundred. Cincinnati's outside the top two hundred. They swept both those series. Um and they've won two road series at South Florida and at Memphis. You know, two teams that have a little bit more talent, but Memphis is scuffling now. Um, they're they're probably falling back out of the, the regional contention. So um, you know I, I think UCF to me feels like a long shot for in that large spot, but they're they're in the discussion.
1: Last but not least, I should have talked about this when we talked about the, the, the Pac-12, but uh, the Big West, Aaron, another big, we talked about Cal Poly, but another big, Big West series this weekend, UC Santa Barbara beats Fullerton two out of three, the Titans drop out of our rankings, so while there's all this attention on NC State, and Indiana got all this attention early for you know being highly ranked and being quote-unquote frauds or whatever, Here's mighty Cal State Fullerton, four national championships historically, a certainly a titan in, of college baseball, and the Titans are out of our rankings. And Aaron, outside of sweeping that series at Oregon, Fullerton really hasn't done anything impressive this year, yeah. <laughs> and they don't deserve to be ranked. It's just uh, I-, I tend to agree right now with Rick Vanderhook that you can give some Fs to this to this lineup. I don't know we've talked about them a lot, but I mean. How worried are you about Fullerton? Is, is you know, do you h- how different are they from NC State in your view? They feel pretty much uh, like NC State to me.
0: I was just going to make that comparison. You know, it's one of those teams where um, I saw, you know, I sat there and watched them for two games in Wichita, saying, okay, you know, let's let's uh, let's see if they at least pass the eye test, and and they didn't. They really didn't. They looked very ordinary to me, um, like NC State did in those two games. Those are two teams that I wanted to believe in the talent, and I came away just kind of. Shrugging my shoulders, you know, I, I just, you know, those are those are those are small sample sizes, and I'm not someone who likes to to form sweeping opinions based on one or two looks. Um, but if you combine that with the bodies of work, um, that's it. You know, it, there's there's enough to really make you you worry about these teams. And now, Fullerton has to go to Cal Poly, and they're I think a significant underdog in that series on the road against. Thirty and five, Cal Poly, a team that has passed test after test against good teams. Crazy, uh, that's crazy. It's it's just, and that's the thing is Cal Poly. You know they've proven they're better than just about anybody in the in in the Pac twelve. You know maybe anybody in the Pac twelve. And when they play Pac twelve teams, they they take two out of three at UCLA. They take two out of three against Cal. They split those two games with USC, and the, the third one was rained out. Um, you know, and of course they swept Kansas State. Start the year. Cal Poly takes care of business, and, you know, Fullerton has not. Um, I think Santa Barbara showed a lot of character this weekend, certainly, after losing that first game. They needed to win this series. They had lost the previous two series. Santa Barbara, I think, is a much more offensive team than the Titans, although the two games that they won this weekend were low-scoring games. It is college baseball, after all.
1: And, it, and it's Fullerton. I mean, Eshelman, even even with the injury to Garza, Eshelman, Wiest, Bickford's a 10th overall pick last year, Ghana, Davis out of the bullpen. I mean, this team still have, pitching is not the problem.
0: No, and that's and that's probably why I still think they're probably in better shape long term than NC State is because they have depth of quality arms on the mound, especially now that Garza's back. Um, and I still think that can be a carrying factor for them. Whereas, what's NC State's carrying tool? You know, um,
1: don't
0: have one. I don't know. So I, I think you know, maybe, maybe I guess Verdun and Turner. You, you say, okay, maybe Rodon and Turner will just get hot and carry this team by themselves. Right. right. Um, uh, but but you know I think boy I mean I still believe I still believe in Rick Vanderhoek's ability to coach offense and to get his to motivate his teams and you know we we talked about this before you know today in the top twenty five meeting I mean um, I think he's got a long track record of, of getting a lot out of his guys and I know I'm, his style is, is abrasive but I'm
1: with you on, I'm with you on the, I'm definitely with you on the, his ability to coach the offense and to get something out of an offense I mean that's proven you know, for a long time. The the motivational part of it, you know, sometimes uh you know, players today are even different than they were even twenty years ago. So I do wonder about that as they continue to not snap out of it. Yeah. You know, at what point does that hard bitten, kind of hard driving style when do they tune them out? When, when do they tune a coach out? So but I'm completely with you on the his ability to coach offense is very long proven. So. And
0: it did sound like he, you know, he didn't let up on those guys this weekend. I saw a tweet um, after his post game comments on Sunday, and, and it sounds like he was more vinegar. Um, so yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you do wonder. I mean, this is this Cal Poly series is huge for the Titans. They're right now they're on the they're on that bubble. I mean, they're they're number forty nine in the RPI. Um, you know, they're eighteen and thirteen overall. They're they're a team that could also conceivably find itself slipping. Out of at-large range, and that's insane to think about for Cal State Fullerton, especially, you know, with the, with the pitching talent that they have, the expectations they had after last season. Um, I did not expect them to be in this position.
1: And Irvine is kind of, you know, certainly, Aaron, Irvine <laughs> has picked things up. I mean, I'll just be this blatant about it. Mike Gillespie is my favorite college baseball coach ever. I, mean, I love, love – He's number him. One. Huh? He's number one for you, huh? I love Mike Gillespie. He's
0: I mean, one of the greats.
1: He's awesome. I mean, I miss I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I love Mike Gillespie. And this team is just rolling right along. I mean, I know schedule's part of it, but 8-1. and one, their, their RPI is very similar to Fullerton's. Last I checked, it was 56. Yeah. And they're in Andrew Morales. I don't know much about Andrew Morales, but what a, what a ridiculous year Andrew Morales is having. This team's having a pretty great year, but yeah. Andrew Morales, tell us a little bit about what, what's got Irvine off to this 24-11 and 11 start, and what, what has them in regional range?
0: Well, they pitch. You know, that's the big thing. They've got a veteran pitching staff, and Morales is certainly um, the best of that of that group. I mean, he's just a, a proven, you know, pitchability guy. He won a lot of games for them last year. Um, he's just a, uh, you know, it's not overpowering stuff, but he's got good secondary stuff. He locates, and he's a bulldog, and, uh, you know, he's been outstanding for them. And, um, you know, they've won, what, three, four straight series now since they lost two out of three at Nebraska. Um, and uh, you know they, they've had a little trouble in some of the midweek games, especially you know the West Coast Conference teams, San Diego, Pepperdine. Um, those teams have have had their way with them a little bit, but uh, you know I, I think they'll need to start winning some of those games here. But um, you know they're they're right now they're in the mix. I mean I had them at, I think in regionals last week. Uh, I had the Big West as a four bid league. Um, you know right now it could be a two bid league, it could be a four bid league. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know we'll see I think the the remaining schedule for Irvine will tell us a lot because they haven't played right. the three best teams yet they haven't played Santa Barbara Cal Poly or Fullerton. so right. we'll find out in the next month if they're for real or not
1: well uh if you if you need a if you need more evidence of uh, how great mike Gillespie is go uh go watch Moneyball. He's one of the A's coaches, ragged mm-hmm. on uh scott Hatterberg's uh inability to play defense so uh that's 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 coach Gillespie in that scene and uh one of the many things I love about Coach Gillespie, his ability to uh, seamlessly uh, fit in as an actor as well as a as, a, right. as a baseball coach. But uh, we spanned the globe a little bit, Aaron. Did I miss anything this week? We, we had a wide-ranging podcast here.
0: Uh, we didn't talk about everybody, but we, we covered enough ground here. I think uh, uh, Texas had a big weekend in the Big 12. I'm going to write about them in three strikes um, so people can come back tomorrow and, and check that out.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, we didn't talk about the Big Twelve. I, I guess I can stick a fork in uh, Kansas State. Can I not?
0: I think they're in trouble. You know, and, and
1: got swept this weekend. Yeah. Last place in the league, two and seven. That 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 league. That's a one. That's a team with one team in the rankings. That's a league with one team in the rankings, Aaron. I mean, I but, guess Oklahoma State should be in the mix, and I know we've discussed them, but they don't really have you know, a great series to kind of hang their hat on either. I mean, I guess they swept West Virginia this weekend, but.
0: On the road, which I thought was, which I thought was a nice uh, statement weekend for them. Because West Virginia, you know, had been playing, uh, well, I should say they had been playing that well, but, um, you know, they had a good RPI. I mean, it's, that is a good road series win. I do do like West Virginia's pitching. Um, Three straight series wins for Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, West Virginia. Those are all quality series wins. Um, And they needed them because they're, Non-conference schedule was weak, and their That's RPI right. was their RPI was uh, horrific, and now it's up to seventy-one. So they're, I think, on their way to probably making a regional, um, but they need to keep it up. You know, I mean, the, Kansas State has been a disappointment. You're absolutely right. That's a team that I kind of thought heading into the year. I wondered if it was sustainable. You know, with the with the way their their pitching was set up, um, but I thought they'd hit a lot more. And um, yeah, I mean. Uh, that's been a disappointment. There's been a lot of teams that have not lived up to expectations, and maybe the expectations were unfair, but they won a regional last year. you know. And Cal State Fullerton won 50 games last year. NC State was in Omaha last year. And all these teams had guys coming back. So it's not like we set unreasonable expectations for them. I think they had the same expectations we did for themselves, and they've fallen short.
1: I mean, for Texas, in that league, you're looking at TCU. To me, TCU and Oklahoma State are the next two best teams in that league. Well, Texas plays them at home the next two weekends. Yeah. I mean, so the the Longhorns can really put a stranglehold on that league. Um and it'll be a nice bounce back for that program and it's been a nice, nice bounce back for that program so far this year. You know, last year we were having hangouts there on about struggling veteran coaches like Augie Garrido and Jim Morris. And uh, Augie Garrido's got Texas at 6 and Jim Morris had, you know, University of Miami's got him up to nine, uh, 15 in the Baseball America rankings and uh, having a really good year for the University of Miami. So yeah. Had, I had to go there. Now that I've done that, we may as well sign off. So <laughs> I can't. I, I don't think I can go any uh, any lower than uh, my my Jim Morris imitation. But um, are you? Is this this week that you're going to Seattle, or is it next week?
0: Next week I'll be going to uh, Corvallis for Oregon, Oregon State for the first two games, and then up to Seattle on Sunday. But this week is is uh, uh, Easter for for me, so that's that's the annual beach trip for my uh, my wife's family. So I might not see any baseball games this weekend.
1: I don't know if that's acceptable, and Aaron, I don't think I'm going to be going to many games. Uh, I've got a little uh, little injury piece this weekend, so we'll see how that comes out today at the orthopedist. So I hope that goes well, but uh, looking forward to uh, the ESPN3 subscription and watching a lot of college baseball that way. Um, So thanks for all your time, Aaron. want to thank everyone for listening. Remind everyone this podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther, Louisville slugger. That ding means it's time to go. So for Aaron, I'm John. We'll see you at the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port Chicago, Illinois